chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6. If I were to ask you this morning, I want you to think about this. What is the one activity that Satan, more than anything else, wants to try to prevent you from doing? What would you say? What is the one thing that the enemies of God are laboring day and night in order to prevent? With all of their power, they're seeking to stop. And I'll tell you what it is this morning. Satan and all of the powers of darkness do not want Jesus to finish building his church. As we enter into Nehemiah chapter 6 this morning, perhaps the first question we have to ask ourselves is, do we take the building of the church as seriously as Satan does? When distractions pour in, when the work is threatened and the people are about to be divided, when sin is present, do we shrug our shoulders? Do we wag our heads as the enemies of God are doing everything they can to destroy the work? To destroy the only work in this life that will last beyond the grave. Mindy recently bought a watercolor painting from one of our friends. And uh, the quote on it just encapsulates this perfectly. It's from C.T. Studd. It says, One life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. What we do to build the new Jerusalem, what we do to build the church of Jesus Christ, is the only thing that we do in this life that will last. So this morning we have the privilege in Nehemiah chapter 6 to peer as though through a mirror dimly at Nehemiah and the Hebrews as they get to experience a foretaste of what Jesus promised to his disciples On this rock I will build my church, and not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. Most of you know, uh, some of you maybe went out to the men's soccer soccer games this weekend. We're going to be back out there this weekend cooking hot dogs and hanging out. Um, If you've ever played soccer or football or baseball or any sport, you guys back there know this, a big part of preparing for any game and for a successful game is watching game film. And why is that? I see Cyrus is grinning back there. It's because, and specifically, you want to watch game film of your opponents because you want to be able to see the ways that your opponents are going to try to defeat you. You want to look at their tactics, their game style, the way that they... Uh, are going to try to prevent you from winning because that's your opponent's only job. It's to stop you from winning so that they can win. So if we're going to make it successfully to the finish as believers, if we're going to make it successfully to the finish 
as the people of God, we have to study the tactics that Satan and our opponents will try to use to prevent us from making it to the finish. Because if you're an athlete or a sports fan, you know there is nothing worse than blowing a big lead and losing the game right at the end. So, if you turn to Nehemiah chapter 6, let's stand together as we watch Nehemiah and the people of God fight to the finish. Nehemiah 6, verse 1. Now, when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall, built the wall, and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up, set up the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, Come, let us meet together at Hakafirim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sanballat for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand, and it was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now the king will hear of these reports. So now, come and let us take counsel together. Then I sent to him, saying, No such things as you say have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking, Their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Now, when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mehetabel, who was confined to his home, he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They're coming to kill you by night. But I said, Should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. For this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin. And so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, O oh my God, according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. And when all of our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them, for many in Judah were bound by oath to him because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Era, and his son, Shehohanan, had, had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, as his wife. Also, they spoke of his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him, and Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that we would be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Help us to see 
and recognize the devil's lies and his schemes. And may we rest in your finished work. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, Nehemiah chapter 6 is all about how Nehemiah and the people of God finished the wall. But it's also about how Sanballat and all the enemies of God did everything in their power to try to prevent that from happening. One thing I want to convince you is true this morning. Jesus is finishing his church. Jesus is finishing his church. If you are a Christian this morning, you can rest in this promise that we see demonstrated in Nehemiah chapter 6. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it on the day of Christ Jesus. But, here's one thing I want us all to ponder together this morning. What ways are the enemies of Jesus seeking to prevent you from finishing? Because, although Nehemiah and the people did finish the wall, it was not without a fight. It was not without every last-ditch effort and attempt on the part of their enemies, on the part of Sanballat and all of his goons, to do everything they could to foil their plans, to throw them off their game, to get them to abandon the work before they reached the finish. So, I want us to look together this morning at the game film, so to speak. Let's look at three different ways that the enemies of God, that Satan and all the powers of darkness will seek to prevent us from making it to the finish. Number one, he distracts. He distracts. So, Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, these guys, all of their goons, they're hanging out, they get word, their worst nightmare has come true, the wall has been finished, in fact, all the breaches are closed up, the only thing that's left is to hang the doors on the gates. And so he does the one thing that is sure to put a stop to any productive work. He tries to schedule a meeting. All right, look at verse 2. Verse 2, chapter 6. Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, Nehemiah says, saying, Come, let us meet together in Hakafirim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. Verse 3. And I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? Nehemiah tells us they sent that Google Calendar invite four more times. And four more times he clicked the no button. I will not be meeting with you. Why? Well, Nehemiah knew that these men intended Whatever they were doing, they didn't say why they wanted to meet, but he knew whatever their intentions were, it was to do him harm. If they could do something, anything, to get him away from the wall, to get him off the project site, anything that would stop the work, if only they could distract him. And this is the most benign of the enemy's tactics because distractions seem so harmless. Really, what's a distraction going to hurt? One meeting, Nehemiah, that's all we're asking. 
And the funny thing about distractions is that they're not picky. Anything could be a distraction. Right? Now the enemy bombards us with distractions of all shades and colors and sizes and a thousand different distractions, but they're meant to distract us from only the only one thing that we're supposed to be doing, which is putting our hands to the work. Brothers and sisters, we have to ask ourselves this morning, in what ways are the enemies of God seeking to distract you? Distractions are perhaps the most deadly because they feel the most innocent. Before you know it, the people of God have great knitting groups and basket weaving classes and enormous live nativities and children's choirs and hot dog parties and sports programs and shiny buildings and soundboards and light shows and daycares and food pantries and youth events and no gospel. The people of God can become so distracted that they don't even remember when their hands were taken away from the work. And the walls of the New Jerusalem remain unfinished. But the people of God have wandered off to Hakafirim in the plain of Ono. Where is that? It doesn't matter. Here's the thing, Satan doesn't care where you spend your time just so long as you don't spend it building the church. Run your kids and grandkids all over creation. Take them to piano lessons and dance and soccer practice and baseball practice and football practice and Gamecock football games and summer camp and let them become little geniuses and prodigies and all-star athletes just so long as you never sit them down at the table and tell them about Jesus. And decorate your house and fill it with all kinds of beautiful things and remodel your kitchen and buy that new couch and fill your pantry with all kinds of great food just so long as you never invite your neighbor over to share a meal with them and tell them about Jesus. Distractions. You see, the the dangerous thing is many of these things are not bad in and of themselves. The problem is that Satan often uses them to take our hands away from the work. Nehemiah, however, was a man who was so dedicated to his task that he could spot a distraction from a mile away. And here's the thing. Distractions have a really simple solution. It's two letters. N-O. <laughs> Whenever distractions threaten Nehemiah, he says, no. Is this going to help me build the wall? No? Then no. Does this have anything to do with putting bricks on top of brick with mortar in between? Then no. Will this in any way help me get these doors hung on the gates? Then the answer is no. What's our mission statement, College Street? Somebody give it to me. All right, all right. We are a church with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. 
What if that was knit so deep into the hearts of our team leaders and our teams and our deacons and our pastors and every single one of our members that whenever something, whether an idea or a ministry or a program came onto the horizon that we would recognize from a mile away, that is not going to help us accomplish the work that we've been given to do. And we have no qualms about simply saying no. What if our church was a place where its members had the courage to say no to some of the things that are preventing them from getting involved in building the church? Saying no to financial distractions that keep you from giving to the church. No to the things in your schedule that seem to keep preventing you from coming to small group or being here on Sunday morning. Saying no to the snooze button so that you can make it to Sunday school. There are a thousand and one distractions out there, but the enemy is just trying to keep us from the one purpose, which is building the church. He wants to keep you from finishing. Number one, he distracts. Well, four times Sam Ballot tries to distract over and over again. The fifth time he moves on to his next, next tactic, which secondly is he threatens to divide. So Nehemiah tells us the fifth time the messenger showed up in Jerusalem, he had an open letter. And an open letter is usually something that's uh, it's, uh, directed at a public person, a public persona, a public official, public figure, but it's published for the general public. So you can think of Sanballat. It's almost like he goes online and he publishes this as an article, an op-ed in the Washington Post. It's directed to Nehemiah, but really, it's directed to all the people about Nehemiah. Because he's trying to lodge division between the leader and his people. Listen to what he writes in that letter, verse 6. And it was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That's why you're building a wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you've also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem, there is a king in Judah. And now the king will hear these reports. So now, come, let us meet together. Sam Ballot sends this letter and he says, I've heard rumors, Nehemiah. I can't say who, but people are saying, Nehemiah, that you're trying to build your own little kingdom here. Now, I know that you don't want to be king. But there are a lot of people out there who are getting a different picture. I can understand why people might think, you know, you being in charge and you telling the people what to do and you directing the construction. I can see how people might think, might think there's something going on behind the scenes, you know. That maybe there's a conspiracy afoot that you want to be the king. The enemy is seeking to divide and threaten. And he tries to sow these seeds in the minds of the people. The man that you're following has ulterior motives. There's a conspiracy afoot. 
Don't trust Nehemiah further than you can throw him. Now, I know you might be thinking, this is crazy. How does this ever happen in real life? Nobody does this. I kid you not. Six months after I came to College Street Baptist Church, I was gathering my thoughts. I came through this door, and there was a man who met me here with a letter in his hand. Threatening letter. Right before I came into the pulpit. And so you may say, this is crazy. This doesn't happen. In the first two years I was here at College Street, there were certain people who would circulate open letters and try to garner signatures and come to me and say, if you don't do what we say, then these seven people are going to leave the church. Now, by God's grace, those people are no longer here, so I don't want you to be looking around thinking, oh my gosh, who are these people? And the good news is that many of you who have joined recently can't even imagine a college street that would be like that. But we cannot be ignorant of the enemy's tactics. He's done it before. He will try to do it again. He threatens to divide. So, how did Nehemiah combat the threat? Through public rebuke and prayer. Look at verse 8. Then I sent to him saying, this is Nehemiah responding in kind. No such things as you have, that you say have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. Nehemiah publicly refutes, rebukes what Sanballat has said. He says, you're inventing these conspiracies out of your own mind. I'm not seeking to be king. No such thing has been done. More importantly though, not only does Nehemiah rebuke it publicly with his words, Nehemiah publicly rebukes this with his life. Sanballat's conspiracy sounds utterly ridiculous if you've read Nehemiah chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Because the Nehemiah that Sanballat is trying to characterize in his letter looks nothing like the man that the people have seen Every day, day in, day out, in the trenches, working, sweating next to them. They knew Nehemiah had no hidden agenda. He's the guy who bought them out of slavery. He's the guy who was putting the towel on and serving them at his own table night after night. Nehemiah told us how he became the project manager in the first place, weeping a heart of compassion over the state of the people and the state of the city. And he became governor simply because the governors before him were abusing the people, selling them into slavery. And we feel that compassion and courage in Nehemiah's short prayer in verse 9. He says, for they all wanted, all they wanted was to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, oh God, strengthen my hands. Strengthen my hands. If we will ever stay united, if we're ever going to effectively fight the threat to divide, yes, we must speak out against division. Yes, we must live godly lives, but we must pray for it. We are weak. We are prone to fear. The enemy's threats 
threaten every moment to take grip of our spirits and to make us lose heart. We want to give up. With Nehemiah, we have to pray, Lord Jesus, help us fight to the finish. Where are the members putting hand in hand to pray? Where are the husbands and wives kneeling together, begging and pleading with God to protect them from division? When the enemy threatens to divide, let us publicly rebuke, yes, with our words and with our lives, but let us pray that our hands may be strengthened so that we can finish the work God's given to us to do. Well, Sanballat's first two efforts fail. So he goes for a knockout blow. This is the most sinister, insidious of tactics. Number three, he tempts. So he distracts. He threatens to divide. And then thirdly, he tempts. Nehemiah says that he is going by and he visits this prophet named Shemaiah, who he assumes is on his team. He goes into his house. And all of a sudden, this prophet begins to panic and tell Nehemiah that any moment, Sanballat and his goons are going to come bursting through the doors and they're going to kill you. They're going to murder you in your sleep. You better hide. You better run. So let's go hide ourselves in the temple. We'll go in there. We'll hide in the deepest, darkest corner of the temple. We'll pull the curtain shut and God will protect us and you'll be safe and we'll lock the door. Run, hide, Nehemiah. Verse 11. But I said, should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. Nehemiah says, now, when the wall is almost finished, a man such as I, you want me to run away. And he says, run into the temple, no less. I'm not a priest. The moment I run through those doors, God's going to strike me dead. If I run and hide behind the curtain in there, I will die. And in that moment, Nehemiah realizes this guy is not a friend at all. In fact, he had been hired by his enemy. Look at verse 13. For this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin. So that they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Number three, the enemy tempts. You see, Tobiah and Sanballat were just trying to tempt Nehemiah by fear to fall into temptation. So that they could publicly malign him. How many good works of God have been brought to an end because of sin? How many churches... Thriving churches have come to an end because it was found out the pastor was having an adulterous affair with one of the members. Or it was discovered that one of the members of the church was embezzling funds. Or divorce was popping up in every marriage in the church. And Jesus, all the while, is being given a bad name in the public square. And the church of God is becoming a taunt. 
something people wag their heads at. You see, Satan would love nothing more than to prevent us from making it to the finish by causing us to trip and stumble right before we make it to the finish line into some kind of public sin so that he can bring the name of Jesus into bad repute and put it to open shame. How did Nehemiah resist temptation in his life? He trusted and obeyed, just like the old hymn goes. Nehemiah knew the word of God. The moment that Shemaiah came tempting him to step, set foot in the temple, he knew that wasn't what God wanted for him. I'm not supposed to do that, he says, and he obeyed. But more than that, he trusted the Lord. Because this whole tactic was meant to make Nehemiah afraid. To fear in his heart, to fear others. And so many of us fall into temptation because of the fear in our life, misplaced fear. We fear other people. And so we sin in order to please them. We fear losing our job. So we fudge the numbers. And lie about our performance at work. We feel fear of failure. So we cheat to get ahead. We fear loneliness. So we sleep with our boyfriend to convince him to stay. When Nehemiah is tempted to fear... Not only does he obey, but he trusts in the Lord. Look at verse 14. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, O my God, according to these things that they did. Nehemiah simply trusts the Lord to deal with it. You've seen, remember, Lord, I trust you to deal with it. I'm simply going to trust and obey. I know what you've called me to. These enemies are trying to distract. They're threatening to divide. They're seeking to tempt. I'm simply going to trust and obey. At the beginning of the sermon, I mentioned two things. I wanted you to ponder, what are the ways that the enemies of God are seeking to prevent you from making it to the finish? However, we can recognize the distractions, the threats, the temptations, and yet remain 100% powerless to put our hands to the work until we are convinced of this simple truth that Jesus Christ is finishing His church. Jesus Christ is finishing His church. We've been reading about all these terrible things that Sam, Sam Ballot's been trying to do for all these verses and these distractions and the threats and the temptations. And all the while, what has been happening behind the scenes? Verse 15. So the wall was finished in the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. When our enemies all heard of it, all the nations around us, they were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Nehemiah and the people had a quiet courage in the Lord. It was he who called Nehemiah. It was he who gathered the people to Jerusalem. It was he who put them to work. It was he who helped them to escape the schemes and traps of their enemies. And it was he, the Lord, who finished the work. How do we make it to the finish as a church? 
How do we make it to the finish line as believers? How do we make sure that day after day we continue to put our hands to the work and we're not distracted and we don't feel threatened and we resist temptation? We labor, we put our hands to the work with the firm confidence in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That on the cross, the Son of God hung for the sins of everyone who would repent and believe in Him. And we throw ourselves on His mercy day after day. We tell Him, I can't finish alone. This work is impossible. We tell Him that we need Him. We tell Him of the temptations that are too strong and the distractions that are so easy to follow and the threats that make us afraid. We tell Him the enemy is too crafty and we repent and we believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins and we believe that He has finished everything that is necessary for our salvation. Do you believe that today? You know what the last words of Jesus were as He hung on the cross? After He lived a perfect life, after He preached how to follow Him, and about the kingdom of God, and after he was falsely condemned, falsely accused, after he was whipped and beaten, after he carried the cross up that hill, after he was nailed and he bled out every last drop, do you know what the last words he said were? It is finished. It is finished. Brothers and sisters, we have to believe it is finished. On the cross, our finish Our victory is secure. The walls will be completed on schedule. Nothing, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck us from his hand because Jesus is the Lord of finished work. His church will be finished. Every single believer will make it to the finish line. So brothers and sisters, whatever may be going on in your life, your life may feel like Nehemiah chapter 6, filled with distractions, threats, and temptations. But whatever they are, believe the truth. The Lord is finishing. He's finishing the work. How long did it take to finish the wall? 52 days. Chad, it took longer for you to get a chain-link fence around your business, didn't it? 52 days! They put a wall around a city. They had no construction crew. They had no supplies. They had no support from the community. But they had the Lord. And that is what every single person looking at the city of Jerusalem knew was true. On the day that the walls were finished, (laughs) it's only with the Lord's help because this was impossible. College Street Baptist Church, we don't have nothing. (laughs) We have no money. We have no power, no influence. Nothing in us to attract people to us. But guess what, brothers and sisters? We have the Lord.
when people hear news of what is happening at College Street Baptist Church, we don't want them to say, oh yeah, they've got money, they've got people. Yeah, that makes sense that they're able to accomplish that. No, we want them to say, this is impossible. How on earth are they doing this? It's only by the power of the Lord. As we conclude, Nehemiah probes us with one question. I just want us to think about what if it, what if it's me? What if I'm the one? Nehemiah says there were people inside the city who were in cahoots with the enemy, who were sending and receiving letters from Tobiah, letting them know what was going on. Leaders of the city even who were sending and receiving intermarrying with the enemy. What if I'm the one that's seeking to stop the work? Well, I have bad news for you and I have good news. The bad news is the Lord is finishing the work and there's nothing you can do to stop it. The good news, the Lord has said, it is finished. And if you will repent and believe, you can have full forgiveness of your sins forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the way that Nehemiah shows us what you are doing behind the scenes, whether we realize it or not. May we trust in you and obey. May we labor with firm confidence in your finished work on the cross and that you are not satisfied in an unfinished church or an unfinished believer. So we pray. Help us to recognize the distractions. May we not be threatened or tempted. May we put our hands to the work. Lord Jesus, as you build your church in and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.